when I was six months pregnant, I went to the doctor and the doctor says, oh my God, what is that? So they put me in for an ultrasound right away. And when they did, you could see this little tiny heartbeat on one side and a massive tumor on the other. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution, God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist On Leg. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Today we're going to talk about cocaine addiction and crack cocaine addiction, and how some use it in order to fuel themselves with more energy to complete life's goals and responsibilities, but how it always spirals out of control. Always. Crack cocaine is processed from cocaine hydrochloride and is extremely addictive, where a person can get very addicted to the drug within about a two to three week time span, sometimes immediately. But what can be one of the temptations people fall into in order to get addicted? Well, Patty Wilson will be on our show today to share how she used to be addicted to crack cocaine when she was looking for ways to obtain more energy in her life to do normal things like take care of her kids. She found herself spiraling out of control as she believed she could control the addiction. Let's hear what happened in Patty's life in detail. Patty, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Patty, I'm honored to be one to reveal the darkness behind your story of previous addiction to crack cocaine. And I understand that faith in Jesus Christ has helped you to overcome this horrible addiction, and I want to hear about it. I understand this all started when you were living a normal life, but you got delivered some really bad news when you are in your second pregnancy that you had cancer. Tell us about the moment you found out about that. It was scary. It was really scary. I hadn't been feeling good for a while, and then I felt like I might have had a cold and didn't want to take medication. So I went to the doctor, and they said, yes, sure enough, after blood test that you're six weeks pregnant, and they wanted to take me in and do an exam. And so they did, and of course, I lay down on the table, and the doctor says, oh my God, what is that? which is the last thing you want to hear a doctor say when he's examining you. Mm-hmm. And so they put me in for an ultrasound right away. And when they did, you could see this little tiny heartbeat on one side and a massive tumor on the other. They said at that point it was the size of a grapefruit. Oh my gosh, that would be horrible to find out about that. So how does this work though? I understand that this was a very high amount of tumor cells forming near the baby, which would be absolutely horrific hearing this as a mom. But did they immediately want to remove the tumor with the baby there? No, at one point they tried to drain it because they just didn't know what it was. At that point, they didn't know even that it was cancer. I think I was close to three months pregnant at the time. And they drained it and said, oh, no problem. Don't worry about it. We can't do much. We'll take care of it after you have the baby. And I got worse and worse as far as just the fatigue, feeling sick beyond the normal pregnancy. So I had a feeling something was wrong. But when I was six months pregnant, this was a vaginal leomyosarcoma, which is a rare form of muscle cancer. So to even be found where it was is very rare. And when I was six months pregnant, I was walking through the mall and literally the tumor popped out. 
And it was so scary. I thought I was having the baby, but the tumor was growing that fast and the weight of the baby was pushing it. Oh, man. Yeah, it was creepy. That must have been very surprising. I've heard of things like that happening, but that didn't just solve the problem, I understand, that there was a continual tumor growth along with the baby. Did the tumor greatly complicate the pregnancy? And was she premature? Actually, eight days late. (laughs) She was nine pounds, six and a half ounces with a big old tumor in there. I was waddling. I couldn't even walk a lot of the time. My husband had to help me. Mm. So after having the baby, I understand they started treating the tumor. They started radiation for you. I understand the treatments left you so tired and you had to take care of your other two children as well as the baby, which is unthinkable. But then the temptation for cocaine came out of nowhere. Can you tell us about the day that that happened in that time of your life? Yeah, halfway through the radiation treatment, some friends came over and I was complaining about being sick and tired and just wanted to get up and be a normal mom. I wanted to play with the kids and clean my house. And they were like, oh, we know what'll keep you up all weekend. And I thought, no, no, I can't do that. I'm having these radiation treatments during the week. And so the following weekend, they came over again and they were saying again, you really need to try this. I bet it'll help you. And it was cocaine. And so after a couple of weeks of them coaxing me, I went ahead and tried it and they were right. I was up all weekend long. I could get up and be mom and play with the kids and clean house and felt normal. And that led to coke addiction. And my husband was doing it too. And of course, we couldn't afford it. And so the only way we could afford the coke was to sell it. And so started selling the coke at that point. And then the coke became more important than the marriage, than the relationship. And we began to fight over it all the time. Oh my gosh. One moment fighting cancer. And then in a desperate moment, cocaine became a means of survival. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then it sounds like cocaine became the focal point rather than the problems you were going through. Did anyone know that you and your husband were doing cocaine at this point in your life? You know, I was this good mom and nobody knew. I mean, it was a secret. None of the family members, nobody knew what I was doing. My husband didn't even know the extent of how much I was doing when he was at work during the day. Shame and hopelessness were just gripping my life, my heart. And so there was a lot of guilt. Then hopelessness, of course, because I couldn't stop and I hated doing it. Every time I did it, I hated it. I didn't want to do it, but my body just craved it. You know, I thought I was going to die if I didn't do it. Yes, this sounds like the moment where the addiction truly is an addiction, where the drug is now controlling how you think and feel. I understand that the cost of the drug became no longer feasible to get, and then you turned to something less expensive, which was crack cocaine, and it would make your heart race and nearly explode. Is that right? Yeah, every time you smoke crack cocaine, and I imagine it might be the same for other drugs, your heart rate just goes through the roof. And it's a very quick high. It doesn't last very long. And I would be so scared each time I did it thinking my heart is going to burst. That's what it felt like. It felt like it was going to burst. And actually, I did end up with heart problems after I'd quit. It was probably two years after I'd stopped smoking the crack that I actually had a mild heart attack and was in the hospital for five days. So I did do some heart damage, but praise God, you know, I'm healed from that now. Good. But going back to back then, I understand the crack cocaine and cocaine addiction were enslaving you to the point where you were selling things in your house just to get your next high. I understand even sentimental things, even like your wedding rings. Mm -hmm. Then you landed a job that temporarily solved the cocaine fix situation. Is that right? 
Yes, I finally went back to work, and I probably worked there a couple of weeks, and once I got to know my boss a little better, when I go in the morning, we'd open up a restaurant at 5 a.m., and so he'd put some lines out first thing in the morning, never charged a dime, it was free. Every time I tried to get off of it and get away from it, it was there in front of me. And he didn't charge me, which kept the addiction going. And one of the reasons to go back to work was try to get busy. But this isn't a good situation here. Is that correct? No, because then I introduced him to the crack. And so then we're snorting lines and doing crack at the same time. And my husband had no idea I was doing the crack all day and snorting coke. I didn't say anything to him. Didn't want him to know, you know, how bad the addiction had gotten. And then I began to sell stuff in the house because I'm spending my paycheck. So I would actually have a yard sale even and started selling a lot of stuff out of the house and think, okay, I'm going to use this for the bills. But as soon as you got that money in your hand, then it Next thing you knew, you know, you were out buying the crack. So here you are getting your boss hooked on other things as well. And all this without your husband's knowledge. Gosh, this sounds like the floor is about to give in. Every time you're sinking a little lower and the addiction seems to be ramping up. Patty, we're learning so much from your life experience to stay far, far away from this stuff because we can actually see how your life is spiraling out of control here. Patty, I want to have you on our next show to talk about how on earth you got free from this crazy addiction. I'm looking forward to having you on our next show. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. Let's talk more about what you just heard right after the short break. Hey guys, it's me again. Let me be real and upfront with you. People are calling in and getting saved and set free by the power of the gospel that is preached on this show through powerful testimonies. I remember one night I was working the phones and a man in about his 30s called in. He was a business owner who was addicted to cocaine and he was living in California. He said he was driving and he heard our show about a former drug addict and he felt convicted that he wasn't living his life right and he gave his life to Jesus that very night. To me, this is a powerful reminder that God is moving through this real and raw show to touch the lives of others. Will you help us reach other cities all across America? You may be able to donate maybe $5 a month, maybe $10, some of you $25, maybe more. Anything helps. Help us to spread the gospel to America as we are believing for a great harvest of souls for the kingdom of God in this time and in this era. But we can't do it without you. Don't just sit there. Go to AwakeningTheNations.com and join the movement to get these testimonies to help others. More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show. We're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? To me, Patty's story of addiction is a classic story that I think all of us can relate to. You see, we all have a life. We all have certain decisions that will open up doors to more decisions. Think about that. In scripture, there is a very serious instance of this where Satan tempts Eve about a decision. And how this happened was Satan tempted Eve at the Garden of Eden to eat the forbidden fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And it was forbidden for Adam and Eve to eat of this tree. And she was clearly told not to eat the fruit, but Satan attacked her mind with a justification of why she needed to take that fruit and eat it. And she did. And it reminds me of Patty's situation. Patty's situation where she's in this moment where she had this justification where it's like, hey, I'm tired. You know, I've got cancer. Life is unfair. So I'm going to make this decision. You know, it's someone helping me. It's something that's good for me. Well, look in Genesis 3, 4 through 5. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. 
For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And then it's written in verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Something to learn about this is that she made a decision that she justified in her mind, though she knew it was wrong. In her heart, in that moment, she's like, you know what? This is pleasant to the eyes. It's desirable to make me wise. It's good for my husband. This is a good thing. Wise is being withheld. And in that moment, she believed in the lie. And that led to a whole cascade of consequences that we are all living in today. Think about this for your life. Sometimes we need to examine our decisions. We need to look and say, gosh, is there something that I've convinced myself to be right, but it's really, really wrong? Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to reveal to all of us that are listening and to look at this testimony and say, Lord, is there maybe even a smaller area in my life where I'm justifying something that's wrong? God, give us revelation. Give us understanding. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony, and I know that your life was touched. If you want to know more about us or to make a tax-deductible donation, please check us out at AwakeningTheNations.com. That's AwakeningTheNations.com. See you next time.